today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. As we speak, uh, Aaron O'Toole, Conservative Party leader, is uh, addressing the media. They're going to have a caucus meeting in a few minutes and basically decide what they're going to do with leadership. There's some talk about our leadership review. Uh, uh, there are rumblings, we're told anyway, among some caucus members that maybe it's time to get rid of the leader, uh, not unlike what they did with Andrew Scheer. But, uh, well, we'll see. We'll follow that story. But... Uh, you know, is it the leader that's the problem? I know in the last couple of elections, they, they thought they had the Liberals on the run, and they did not win those elections. And uh, both Andrew Scheer and now Aaron O'Toole seem to be the uh, the people that are going to get the blame for that. But is that really fair? And is there something else that the Tories need to be doing uh, vis-a-vis self-analysis? Uh, a great column appeared in the National Post the other day. says, Rebuilding the Tories' Big Ten starts with new Canadians. Tasha Curidan, uh, who is a principal navigator and a lecturer with the Max Bell School of Public Policy at McGill University, is the author, and she joins us on the Bill Kelly Show to talk about this. Uh, Tasha, great to have you back on the program. Hope you're doing well these days. Oh, thank you, Bill. I am. I hope you are it's, too. won't get you into the prognostication game here, but it <laughs> so, sort of sounds like uh, Mr. O'Toole may be the sacrificial lamb again. But as you point out in the piece, uh, maybe maybe these conservatives need to look in the mirror about who they are before they decide to, to skewer the next leader. Yes, they do. And I say it's, it's not just the messenger, it's the message and uh, who the message is directed at. And that's been a problem for the past two elections. It's been a problem actually for more than that. But under Stephen Harper, um, there were other factors that enabled the conservatives also to stay in power. Uh, weak leaders on the liberal side, division of the progressive vote in 2011. So it kind of masks the fact that the party has not made, since I would say the days actually of Brian Mulroney, a concerted effort to engage with new Canadians, as they were called then in quotes, cultural communities, but basically first and second generation Canadians who are come, have come to Canada to set up you know, their lives, uh, advance their children, but politics is not necessarily their first priority. But if you engage with them and you speak to the issues that are facing them as a political party, it's a great opportunity, actually, and it's a necessary one because Canada is not just built on immigration. It is beholden to it uh, without immigration we have no one to sustain our society in the future. We're not having enough kids. So it's a very big issue for them to face, and I think they really need to, to tackle it. Well, and, and as we've talked about during the campaign itself, too, I mean, you know, when Mr. O'Toole started to flip-flop on a number of issues, uh, it, it was pretty much decided. I mean, that was that was the end mm-hmm. of it. I mean, uh, you know, I, I know here in Ontario, Tash, I mean, a lot of people did not like Mike Harris uh, back in the in the 1990s, but you knew who he was and you knew what he stood for. Uh, the same thing with Stephen Harper. And uh, it, you've got to, it's like anything else, I guess. You have to identify yourself and you've got to say who you are and what you are before people are going to rally behind you, if they're going to rally behind you. Yes, and that was an issue for Mr. O'Toole in particular. Um, he campaigned to the right. He campaigned on issues of even political correctness, uh, conservatism on campus, things that you know people on on the, the further right are concerned about. Freedom of speech is a big issue, um, and it, it is an issue for anyone. But he used that, and then he sort of pivoted. Well, sort of he did. He pivoted to the kinder, gentler, uh, more centrist. Uh, Mr. O'Toole, and it was, you know, it's like the the M&M song, will the real Aaron O'Toole please stand up? Maybe. <laughs> um, the issues of guns, I think, was really a turning point, especially in the GTA, because uh, that is a very important issue for, for people here. It's also an important issue for rural Canadians, but you can't have it both ways, and you can't say you're going to ban assault-style weapons and then say, no, we're not, or yes, we are, what, what, what are those even defined as? It was murky. Murky is bad. Because that's where people say, who are you? I won't vote for something I don't know. I'll go with the guy I know, even if I don't like him as much. 
what happened over those generations? You talked about uh, reaching out to, to new Canadians, so use that phrase yeah. again, uh, as Brian Mulroney did, uh, and, and very successfully, of course, when he won one of the largest majorities in the history of the uh, uh, Canadian elections, uh, back in those days anyway. Uh, did they just, from there, that point forward, to actually just write it off and say, well, they're probably just going to vote Liberal when they come here anyway? But uh, they just they, they seem to be... I guess not even focused on, on that element of the population and that element of uh, of the voters, uh, well, and, and not and, and like you say, the, the really I guess forming policies that are going to attract those people and say, here's what we've got for you. This is what you need, and this is what we can do for you. Well, it's funny since I published this article, um, it's, it's definitely touched a nerve. I've had a lot of people reach out to me um, and say that they they agree with it, um, and some even went further or said, you know, some disagreed, but but most agreed and. Took and, and sent me long, you know, and I also asked people, what do you think? Because I'd like to know if this is what you, if this makes sense. Um, I actually have a chance to speak to Mr. Mulroney since the article was published, uh, because he, he did read it as well. And we talked about this very fact. Um, and he said that, in his view, and I agree with this, uh, the Reform Party cast a very big anti-immigration shadow on the Conservatives, but they've never really shaken off. Um, I remember when I was young, I was 14, I got involved with the Conservative Party at the time, the Progressive Conservatives under Mr. Mulroney. And I remember there was a lot of, um, there were a lot of, as I said, they were called in the days, cultural communities. And they weren't as many, I would say, BIPOC or visible minority Canadians, but they were immigrant communities. Like my parents were German. Um, they were, you know, Greek. There were lots of communities that were engaged with the party, not because of ethnicity, but because of its commonality of values of you know, family, uh, importance of education, importance of furthering and smaller government, take less taxes, all this stuff. Um, and that was a gross point for the Conservative Party. Um, the Reform Party, when it split off, I think there was definitely the Reform Party was seen as anti-immigrant. There was some of that rhetoric. It was also seen as, you know, not Canadian. It was, it was a Western party. And I think that, that I agree with the shadow concept. I think that part of the issue is now you have even you have the PPC, which is which is anti-immigrant or anti-immigration. Um, you have uh, some very loud voices on the far right that paint what the conservatives are or could be. And the conservatives also under Harper, and I make this point in the piece, they did eliminate most of family class immigration. And it was done for economic reasons. But the problem with it is that it's short-sighted because economically, for an immigrant, having their family is actually a step up to improving their economic status because grandparents help take care of the young kids. They provide a sense of community, extended families and support system. They won't rely on the state as much if they can rely on each other. Um, you know, it's, it's actually a very short-sighted argument to say we're going to eliminate family class when family is one of the most important things to new Canadians. So, um, you know, I, I, there's a lot of reasons, but I think that they can be addressed. I really do believe that that is something the party can deal with. But how do they shake that? Because as you say, uh, you, you can say, well, okay, yeah, that was the Reform Party way back when, but as you now there's Maxine Bernier and there's the CPC. That's what they are now. Conservatives aren't like that. I mean, that's what they want, I think, Canadians to believe. But as you say, every now and then one of those other voices, a Derek Sloan or somebody else comes out, and, yeah. and, and all of a sudden it's, oh, my God, they're still there. That element's still there. If we vote for them, that's what's going to happen again. Mm-hmm. Is it just a matter of time, Tasha, or is there something tangible that the Conservatives have to do to say that's not us anymore well i think we'll, i think they need a leader who draws a line in the sand i need that i think their leader needs to stand up and say you know what um you can have those opinions and you know we're not going to prevent people from voicing but this is what this is what the line in the sand is and this is what our party stands for and also to convince people to go with that line because you can have a derek sloan you can have people say things 
but how much of an audience do they have for those views? Um, there is a conservative base that would be considered further right, yes, um, and there's a social conservative base. There are lots of bases within the party, but the goal is to say and be able to say, look, um, this is a reality we have to deal with, and I, as leader, will address it, will convince you, will make that case, not just you know, to the broader Canadian public, but within the party itself and say, this is actually conservatism. What is conservatism? Conservatism is grounded in beliefs that are hundreds of years old that have nothing to do with immigration, right? Um, you know, Edmund Burke talks about things, and I write about this, like the little platoons in society, voluntary organizations, the family, the subgroups that are at the core of what conservatives believe. Society is an organic mix of these things. It is not just the individual, as some people will say. It's no. Um, but it doesn't believe that government is the be-all, end-all. It is more that it is more local. It is more things that really um, understand the issues that are there that aren't telling you necessarily what to do, but that you engage in to make life better for your community. And government's kind of an overarching thing. It's there, but it should never be too big. And so that balance has been lost. That's the conversation people need to have. And that's what the leader needs to stand up and say, you know what, get, get some philosophy in there, get some deep thought, because I think people respect deep thought. I think they want that. There's a hunger for something more than just slogans. And you, you raise, a, I think, a very valid point here in the piece, uh, Tasha. And it's, uh, I'm wondering if, if sometimes politicians overanalyze things. And the, the simple answer here is, especially for new Canadians, uh, all they want is that they want to be able to come here. They want to be able to afford a house, raise their family, and and to a person. I mean, you found this, and I certainly have over the years. I've been doing this job. Uh, they they want their kids to do better than they did. They, you, know, they, you know, they want them to to super succeed. And we've seen that happen in in so many generations with uh, with people that have come to this country. Uh, and if the conservatives or any political party wants to be successful, they basically have to take those elements and say, here's what we can do to make that happen for your family. And I don't know if they've even tried to do that lately. No, I don't think so. I mean, you know, like, I think my, my parents, my father came to Canada with $2 in his pocket. And my mom, she worked as a maid. He worked as a dishwasher when they first got here, because that was what you did in the 60s. Mm -hmm. um, and there were no, you know, no one expected any, it just wasn't. And immigrants today do the same thing. They do take the jobs Canadians don't want to do. Um, but they their belief is, like you said, their kids will do better. And how do you get your kids to do better? You want equality of opportunity. You want to make sure that you can keep as much money that you have to spend on things for your family. But you also need those social supports. And that's where I get into the idea of, you know, community is extremely important. You need community organizations. You need to have a community that you can feel comfortable and and spring up from. And that sort of mix is what is lost. It's the idea that, oh, it's, it's one or the other. It's either the individual or it's government. No, it's not. Um, and I think also the other double thing that immigrants face today is that many are immigrants who are non-white. That is a change from previous waves of immigration, and there's a layer of prejudice there we have to acknowledge, and we have to work to eliminate that, because that is a barrier that they face in addition to the other barriers that any immigrant will face. You know, new country, get used to it, blah, blah, blah. That has to be a focus. The Conservative Party has to talk about that. They don't really talk about that, but they need to, and they need to have more representation within the party, too. You talked about the Mulroney years, and, 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 and you talked about the foundation for the, the, the climb to the top that Brian Mulroney had, and part of it, as you mentioned, was a, a very strong base in Quebec. Uh, mm -hmm. That hasn't happened since Brian Mulroney left. I mean, uh, no. and, and <laughs> Lucien Bouchard probably had a lot to do with that. We got, with the, they, they broke off. We, we understand that. But what do they need to do to win back support in, in that province? Because let's face it, Ontario and Quebec, I know people in Alberta and Saskatchewan hate to hear this, but Ontario and Quebec are really the balance of power. Anybody that wants to get elected and, and become prime 
prime minister. You've got to win those two provinces. And they don't do a very good job in either one of those provinces. Well, no, they don't. And I think the mistake this time was to say, we're going to do this contract with Quebec. And I've talked to conservatives in Quebec, you know, conservative organizers, and, and, and they they were frustrated. They felt that this was not the message because you're trying to basically out-nationalist the nationalists, and you're never going to win at that. The Bloc Québécois is there for that. What you have to do is actually show strength in the rest of the country because Quebecers, and I'm a Quebecer, I spent most of my life in Quebec. I'm born, raised, went to school, um, you know, and, and if not for work, probably would still be there. Um, but it, Quebec likes to be with the winning side. There is an element of that. Um, when Quebec sees you're doing well in the rest of the country, uh, voters are, are and they're not monolithic, but they tend to swing in Quebec. They go one way or the other. And they tend to say, okay, I'll go with you. You're, you're good. You're doing well in the GTA. Well, that speaks to your strength. Um, now, I wouldn't have Quebec policies that are completely anti-Quebec, but to say things like, we're going to give you more immigration powers. Well, there's been a memorandum of understanding on immigration for decades. That is not a ticket. And having the premier of the province say, you're so great, vote for these guys, is not the ticket. Connecting with language is important. Respect for language in Quebec is important. It is an ongoing issue. And you have to someone who also speaks the language. And not just speaks the language, but understands the culture. Quebec culture is distinct. You know, they've got their whole, an entire other star system, entire other, I would say, um, society, like you'd say society. It, it, it is different. And unless you're in that and you get that, it's hard to connect. So they need someone who understands or has advisors who understand, who can really advise the leader if he's not from there or she's not from there, that this is this is the mentality. Um you know, Quebecers want respect, but they also want smaller government. There's a lot of appetite for that. I mean, look who's, who's in power there right now. Francois Legault is not exactly a left winger. So, you know, I think the Conservatives do have an opening, but they have to they have to walk that line and make sure they're not overdoing it because people see through that. I got about a minute or so left here. Can can the Conservatives serve two masters? I mean, if for those who consider that you know the the, the Prairie provinces are still the base for the Conservative movement, and uh, mm-hmm. whether that's because of Stephen Harper or others, be that as it might, but that's that's they're always looking there to say, okay, we we need that base. But at the same time, you've got to appeal to, as you mentioned, urban voters in Ontario and, and Quebecois. Uh, there's a certain resentment in different parts of the country. Some of the Westerners don't like the fact that Quebec gets so much attention from federal governments. Uh, how how do you bridge that gap? Well, it's about it's about that reconciliation, and that is that is a trick that is eluded leaders. Um, I think since Brian Mulroney left, and I think part of it is because there's a Western alienation that is actually genuine and genuinely felt. Um, I think one of the one of the glues of that is everyone's angry at Ottawa. Both Quebec and, and Alberta always you know seem to have a beef with Ottawa. There is a certain solidarity in being outside that bubble, but I think more than that, I think. Energy policy is a point where the conservatives have to find a way forward on climate change that makes sense for both the West and the rest of the country, because that is going to be the big issue, the big economic issue in the West, the big social issue in the rest of the country. How do you reconcile those two? So I think respect for the West, but at the same time, it has to be integrated in a way that you can still sell in the rest of the country. You can't simply say, we love the oil patch, uh, full stop, or we're going to have this climate savings account it was too complicated to explain you need to explain how we are going to have an economy that balances both green and oil that we still need to take out of the ground and you have to be able to believe in it and sell it and not you know not try to have it both ways because that's what they're trying to do you have to draw some lines in the sand and say this is it this is what we think makes sense for everyone in the country to pull together because again it's you know alberta's not in isolation quebec's not in isolation everyone sometimes has to give something up 
for the other person to have something. That's what a country is. Otherwise, why do you have one? Uh, it's uh, still on the National Page website, I believe, this morning. I'm just checking yeah. it over. Uh, and here's hoping, by the way, that uh, the Conservative Caucus read this before they head into their meeting this morning. Well, I, I, I'm glad <laughs> they posted it on Saturday. I was hoping they would have some food for thought, too. It's, I want Pass, them to think about it. <laughs> hand it under the door. That would be the idea. <laughs> there you go. Tasha, as always, thanks so much for this. Great talking with you again today. Thank you, Bill. I appreciate the time. Take care. Tasha Carradine, of course, uh, principal at Navigator and a lecturer at uh, McGill University. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.